because I was really praying about what would I share this morning on this great celebration. 60 years old. Bert, Becky, you do not look 60. You look way younger than that. Praise God. And age is an attitude. I met some young people who act and think very old. And I've met some people who aren't what I call old, but let's just say older, and uh, who are young and feisty and alive. Amen. I'd rather cool down a fanatic than warm up a corpse any day of the week. Are you hearing me? And so I was thinking, what would I share that actually on this 60th birthday, uh, yes, a celebration of their birthday, 40th celebration of their anniversary being married together, that in and of itself is to be celebrated. And then on top of that, 30 years of going to the city. And this is the word I feel to share with you this morning. You ready for it? Everybody say, a different spirit. Because I believe what is on your pastors and what is in your pastors, they are different in a good way. they got a different spirit. I actually think there's something about them that stands out. It's that scripture about a faithful man who can find. They're, they're different in a good way. Sometimes you meet somebody and, and then you might say about them in reflection, oh, what did you think of them? You go, oh, they're different. And that can be so an encompassing means of what that is. But I mean different in a way that stands out. And I believe that that's what's on your pastors, and I believe that's what God's called you to be as a church. Not a same-o, same-o church, but a different church in Jesus' name. So I'll give you a couple of verses in the Scripture here. This is Luke chapter 9. I love this verse. It says in, and let me just set it up for you, because I don't like reading verses in the Bible without giving it some context so you understand what's going on as I read these verses. You see, here is Jesus on His way to Jerusalem. And this is not his ultimate final trip to Jerusalem. This is just one of the trips he's making toward Jerusalem. And he's actually walking there. And, and of course, the disciples are really waking up to the fact that Jesus is no ordinary man. They're actually waking up to the fact that Jesus just could very well be the Son of God. Jesus is opening people's eyes. He's raising people from the dead. This is the Son of God. And, and they're realizing that who is in their midst. They don't fully understand everything who He is, but they're dialed in that this is no ordinary person. And as He's walking to Jerusalem, they're actually re they're recognizing that the people on the journey are not really affirming Jesus in a way that they would feel is appropriate. They're realizing that it's almost like this. It's almost like, Jesus, you're casting your pearls before swine. They don't get you, but we get you, Jesus. And these people are not worthy to receive you. They don't know who's in their midst. They're a little bit Doris Day. Que Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours, you see. Que Sarah, Sarah. They're not showing you the honor, the dignity, the respect, the awe, the wonder, the excitement. And they're just treating you like laissez-faire. They're treating you like you're just another person. And this is what they say to Jesus as a result of what. Everybody got the context? Luke chapter 9, verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? These unworthy recipients of the Son of God, these non-excited, casual, K-Sarah-Sarah, Doris Day kind of Christians, just as Elijah did. But he turned and he rebuked them. You see, the disciples were rebuking the crowd. 
But Jesus rebukes them, the disciples. And he says this. I love this. He goes, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And here is Jesus saying, I've come to lay down my life for these people. I've come to serve these people. I've come to love these people. And you want to call down fire from them, from heaven, like Elijah did in the Old Testament? No, no, no. You're living in an Old Testament understanding. I am here as the Savior of the world. I was born to die. I was born for these people. And he said to them, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And sometimes in the church, I wonder if we really know what manner of spirit we are of when we're too quick to judge someone or something and we're ready to call down fire or cast a judgment that actually hasn't fully taken the time to understand what is really going on. And so I want to talk to you about a different spirit this morning. Are you ready for it? All right, so watch this. The Bible says that Daniel distinguished himself above all his companions, that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He was different. Numbers 14, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. Everybody say fully. And I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants will inherit it. The Bible said he had a different spirit. This is the one in a million. These are the people who hear the call of heaven and go full on. Amen. It's like I'm a, I was reading this story one time about Alexander the Great, who whatever you think about Alexander the Great, he was definitely a great leader in his day. And Alexander the Great literally conquered the world. And uh, one time, you know, he was training the groups and they were out on an attack and they were out on a mission. And he actually was going to go to sleep and he charged certain soldiers to be out on the outpost to make sure that they stayed awake. Should the enemy come and try and attack them while they were asleep? And Alexander the Great thought, I'm going to go out and inspect these outposts and make sure they're on point, they're on duty. So Alexander the Great, the man who conquered the world, was leading an army that was literally unstoppable and invincible. What, a, what an awesome person to be around. And Alexander the Great one time comes across this outpost where this guard was, and the guard was asleep. And could you imagine that poor guard when Alexander just kicks him in the ribs gently and wakes him up? And you would think and you would hope that if you're going to get woken up, it would be the next in charge, not Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great looks at him and says, what's your name? And this young soldier, woken from his sleep when he should have been awake, just thought, oh no. He says, sir, my name is Alexander. What are the chances? And he goes, either stay awake or change your name. In other words, live up to a name. And if we call ourselves Christians, then I believe with all my heart we're called to have a different spirit. We're not called to be ordinary. And if we're going to call ourselves a Christian, then I believe we ought to live like one, act like one, speak like one, and there ought to be something different about us. The Bible says that we're a peculiar people, that we are just passing through in Jesus' name. So I want to give you a few characteristics 
of a different spirit. Do you know the Bible says that when the anointing came on Saul, he became a different man. I believe that we're called to have a different spirit in Jesus' name. I pray today that we know what manner of spirit we are of. And I just want to celebrate Bert and Becky today because I believe what I'm speaking about resonates in them. I believe they have a different spirit. And I believe gates of the city are called to have a different spirit. When everybody's quick and ready to to judge. We have a different spirit. When other people want to call down fire on people, no, 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 no. We're not cursing the darkness. We're lighting a candle in the name of Jesus. As a church, we are called to be different. Amen. So watch this. A different spirit, people who are different spirited are quick to lead. In Numbers, uh, Judges, Joshua rather. I'll get it right eventually. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. It says about this man Caleb and he was with Joshua. That Joshua got up and rose early in the morning. And he set out from Acacia Grove and he came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. But I love what it says that when Joshua was told by, by God to go into the promised land, look at it. The next day he gets up when? Early in the morning. You see, I believe a person with a different spirit is quick to lead. I believe two-thirds of God's names go. Some of us are sitting on our blessed assurance, waiting for God to speak to us, and God's already given us a word. And I just want to encourage you as a church, if you've got a different spirit, you are quick to lead in Jesus' name. You're not going to go, well, I need to pray about it. I'll need to spend some time in prayer. The Bible says God spoke. They got up early in the morning and they went on into the promises of God. If God speaks, we are quick to respond in Jesus' name. We are going to be that. We're going to be full on. We're going to be ready to serve God. We're not going to be Doris Day kind of Christians. We're not going to say, we'll just wait and see what happens. We'll wait for three confirmations. When we know it's God, we are in boots and all. Bert and Becky will follow you. Thank you for the last 30 years. And we're looking forward to the next season. And we are here. We are with you. And we give you all of our support, all of our, all that we have in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. They will act immediately to do the purposes of God. The second thing about different spirit of people is they're not ruled by what's in front of them. See, the Bible says in Joshua 3, it says that when they got up, and it says in verse, in verse 2, and so they were there for three days, and the officers went through the camp, and it says that that river, the Jordan River, was in flood. In other words, it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right opportunity. It was inconvenient. It was when the, when the rivers were flooding, there would have been a better time, like drought, and maybe they could have said, yes, God's called us to go into the promised land, but we're going to wait for the river to subside. But God said, go. So not only were they quick to leave to go up early in the morning, but the Bible says they weren't ruled by what was in front of them. They crossed over the Jordan when it was in flood, when it wasn't convenient, when the stock market was down. They continued to be faithful with their tithes. When everybody's talking recession, they made a decision. They're not joining the recession. When everybody's saying it's hard and, and, and you know, the finances are tough and things are not good, these are the kind of people that say, we're not going to be ruled by the circumstances or the environment. We're going to follow after God. And if God said go, we're not going to be ruled by what's in front of them in Jesus' name. They're not going to be motivated by money. 
Praise God. If the money's there, if it's not there, if God calls you to do it, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Lord, I'll give when I get some more money. We got to learn to be quick to lead, and we got to be learned to be not ruled by what's in front of us. Can anybody say Amen? All right, different spirit of people aren't ruled. They're not. They they have the ability to act fearlessly in impossible circumstances, even when chaos rules. If the River Jordan's in flood. And you're bringing over 3 million people across a river with men, women, and children. How many know there's some chaos, but they still crossed over because God called them to go in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd rather be in the will of God in the middle of a storm than be out of the will of God without one in Jesus' name. I would rather be doing what God called me to do and not ruled by the circumstances. When Sharon and I, we just got first asked to be youth pastors, which was a long time ago. I remember at the time, it was in 1983, I think it was, or 84, and our senior pastor asked us, would we be the youth pastors? And we come on staff. And I remember at the time, I had a good paying job. I was an installer technician for an electronics company. I put these sorts of screens. Back in those days, they were different, I promise you. And I used to put these things in people's buildings and corporations and houses. And that was my job. I had a good paying job. I was working six days a week. I had a company car. And I remember the pastor asked me, would you come and be our youth pastor? And without even hesitating... Yep, I'll do it. You mean I get, I get paid to pastor young people? You mean you're going to pay me to actually come to the church every day and figure out how I can reach more young people? I'm in. And then I got my first week's pay. And I thought, I wonder why, because I never asked. Which may have been a mistake in hindsight. And I remember, I was thinking, Cheryl, I was trying to figure out, well, I wonder what the church would pay me as a youth pastor. Because let me just tell you, at the time, we were after taxes taking home $400 a week. That's not a bad salary in 1983, 84. And that was after taxes and we had a company car. So we sat down and we kind of figured out what, what kind of money we might need, but we never even asked. So I got my first week's pay and I would have thought maybe, I don't think the church, Bert, I don't think you're giving the you pastor a company car, are you? Praise the Lord. So I figured that was gone. So that's gone. We'll have to pay for our own car. That's okay. And then I thought, well, I wonder what I'll get paid. And I thought, well, maybe instead of, after taxes taking home 400 a week, I thought maybe we could live on the gross is 400 a week and then we'll pay taxes and everything else. And I remember I got my first week's pay and I got it and I opened it and I looked at it and there it was, $169 gross. And I honestly thought I had the wrong person's pay. I went back in to the pay office and I said, excuse me, I said, this, I think I got someone else's salary here. Is this... It's just like the cleaner who works a day a week. And they said, no, that's your salary. I said, is there a timing difference in the week? Is it like half a week's pay? And they said, no, that's your week's salary. And I'll never forget. I go home and Sharon says, did you get paid? I said, mm-hmm. She says, how much did you get? I said, She goes, how much? I said, She goes, I can't hear you. I told her, $169 gross. Now, you need to know, out of that, we had to pay taxes. Out of that, we get to tithe. Amen. And out of that, we had to pay our rent. Our rent was $120 a week, and my gross salary was $169. Well, after taxes and tithe, there was nothing left to pay the rent. And Sharon cried. 
And she says, we'll never buy a house. I said, house, we're never having children. You are working for the rest of your life. And I said to God, I was mad for a moment there. I said, God, $169 gross. That's really gross. And God spoke to me and said, Steve. He calls me that because that's my name. He said, Steve, I'm Jehovah Jireh. And I am your provider. And I will supply all your needs and all your riches according to my glory, not according to your wage. You see, my friend, if we find the will of God by circumstances, we could very well miss God. I believe with all my heart that God in that moment taught me He is my provider. That I'm not, and I said to Sharon, we're not going to say we'll never buy a house. We're not going to say we'll never have a family. I said, this is what we're going to say from now on. We choose not to buy a house right now. We choose not to have a family right now. You say, what's the difference? Because saying we'll never buy it puts my circumstances in charge of my life. But I believe life and death are in the power of the tongue. And given the circumstances we have, we're making certain decisions based on that. And right now, we're just choosing. We just, we just choose not to do that. Did you know that God took care of us? Within 12 months, we, able to, we were able to buy a house for $50,000 below market value. We sold it a year later for $70,000 above that. And God blessed us when we realized we're not going to be ruled by what's in front of us. We're going to trust God in the name of Jesus. I just want to say to you, we're called to have a different spirit. Amen? We're quick to lead. We're quick to say yes to God. And we're not ruled by what's in front of us. Number three, a different spirit worships. Thank you for the underwhelming response. A different spirit worships. The Bible says that God is spirit in John 14, verse 24. And those who worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. A different spirit of person is not someone who comes into church late and leaves early. A different spirit of person is not someone who's standing there with their arms folded during all the praise and worship. But I call it the worship pose is elbows above the ears. Not a little mercy hand raise where you look like E.T. or a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Worship is this. Get your hands in the air and worship the... I've had people say to me, Pastor, I didn't get much out of the worship today. Good. We weren't worshiping you. I've, I, I remember one time this Navy SEAL came up to me and he goes, Pastor, I love church. I get tithing. I'm in. I said, awesome. He goes, I love the idea of serving. I'm in. I love the idea of going to church. I'm in. I love the idea of being in a community group. I'm in. But I've got one problem. I said, what is it? He goes, I find worship so hard. Like I like the music and I enjoy it. But there's just something about me. I just, when everybody lifts their hands, there's something in me that is unable to do that. And I looked at him. I said, that's so simple. I know what your problem is. He goes, what? You're a Navy SEAL. You were never trained to surrender. 
And when it comes to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, when the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Yes, you better not surrender to your enemy. Yes, you better not surrender surrender to your opposition. But God is the one that gifted you with the skills you have. God is the one that put that in you. And when you get before God, you might want to learn how to surrender to the one who created you and designed you and destined you to be all that God's called you to be. From that day on, every Sunday I see him in church. He's got his hands raised the highest. He looks at me and gives me a little wink. He gets it now. Come on, somebody. A different spirit of person is someone who worships. <laughs> Some people think worship is a pose. They think it's a place. That's what the woman of the world did. You know, you Jews believe this. We believe that where we worship is over here, and they think it's a place. Some people think worship just happens what happens on a Sunday morning. Some people think it's a pose about just your hands raised. But worship is something you do every day when you go to work, every day when you go to college, every day when you do what God's... It's on the battlefield for a Navy SEAL. It's in a courtroom for a person in law. It's in to school for those who are in education. Can I tell you, we worship God and we give God everything we have. We are full on. Come on. We're quick to lead. Amen. We're not ruled by the circumstances, waiting for a better day and a sunny day. And we worship with all of our heart in Jesus' name. Number four, is this helping anybody? A different spirit. God's called you to have a different spirit. A different spirit has hope. Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we're talking about a different spirit. And the Bible says a person with a different spirit has got hope, but it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this, Romans 4 verse 18. Look at this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. So he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Watch this. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. When you are against all hope, I want to encourage you to be like Abraham. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. I want to paint the picture for you. I don't want to be crass, but I want to paint the picture for you. The brother is 100 years old. His wife is over 100 years old. And God speaks to him and says, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And I can imagine if Abraham gone, mm-hmm. God, even in the day, if that were possible for me when I was younger, you understand what I'm saying here. Some of you are just a little awkward right now. God, when I was ready, willing, and able, God, when I was a younger man, I would have believed for that. The only problem is even then, my, my wife, Sarah, who she's barren in her womb. So even if I was physically capable of the act, she's barren. You have me, and now you're going to tell me this when I'm 100? Against all hope, in hope, he believed. Can I tell you one thing about hope? It keeps you young. It actually keeps you young. It actually hope made Abraham young again. I don't know what the day was, but I know there was a day when Abraham one day looked at his wife, Sarah, and goes, 100 years of age, babe, you're looking pretty hot today. Come on, this happened. You're looking pretty good. You're looking mighty fine. Come over here, darling. And somehow she found in herself to go, I find this attractive. 
I mean, I mean, you understand that happened in the Bible. I'm actually preaching a story that happened against all hope, in hope. Like against all hope. I'm a hundred. And you're barren. But somehow, God said it. It's going to happen. Come on. Against all hope, in hope. Abraham believed and he became the father of many nations and hope got him young again. Hope got him believing again and hope brought the promises of God to pass. What are you hoping for? Don't let the no hopers ruin your day. There's so many no hopers. People come along all the time. Oh dear, oh me, oh my. You know, they're just like, you know, the, the optimist says, There's light at the end of the tunnel. And the pessimist says, yeah, it's an oncoming train. I want to be the optimist. I want to against all hope. Can I tell you, it's when I'm against all hope that hope is needed the most. And it's against all hope that drives me to believing. It's when it's against all hope that it drives me to in hope believe. It is against all hope that motivates me and gives me hope in the name of Jesus. So when I'm against my all hope, it's the time that I find hope is the strongest. And hope steps up and hope gets the breakthrough in Jesus' name. I'm praying today the gates of the city is a church of different spirited people who've got hope for bigger days and better days for your life, for your family, for miracles, for breakthroughs. Don't give in to all the doom and gloom. Don't give in to all the negativity. Come on! In Jesus' name. Come on, give a lot of hand if you receive it. <laughs> Number five, a different spirit isn't ruled by fear. For God has not given us, watch this, a spirit of fear. Every say spirit of fear. Spe- fear can be a spirit. Not all fear is a spirit, but some of it is. I mean, for instance, there's natural self-preservation fears. Don't touch a fire. It'll, it'll burn you. That's a fear. A fear if I touch that, I'll get hurt. You with me here? That's not a spirit of fear. That's called wisdom. But then the the enemy can bring fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but watch this, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You know, maybe you got a bad report and fear entered your heart. Can I just say to you, God's not given you a spirit of fear. You got a different spirit. Amen. You got love. You got power. I'm afraid I'll lose my job. Chances are you will if you live like that. I remember a young guy said to me one day, he goes, I'm so scared. I love riding motorcycles. And when I was younger, this young guy said to me, I'm so afraid that I'm going to fall off my bike and crash and really hurt myself. I said, oh, you will. It's only a matter of time. He looked at me and goes, why would you say that? I said, because you keep speaking it. That's, that's what you, see, Job said, the thing I feared the most came upon me. That which I greatly feared came unto me. You see, fear is faith in reverse. Let me put it this way. Faith has the ability to attract, to create, and to produce. Look at this building. Do you realize that this building did not come here by chance? It came as a result of faith. You're here today, gates of the, because somebody had faith. Bert and Becky, 30 years ago, had faith to start a church. And because of their faith, look what has been created. Look who's been attracted, and look what it's produced. Faith has the ability to attract. It has the ability to create. It has the ability to produce. Are you hearing me? Faith, now substance, now faith is the hope of things, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'll say it properly this time. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. 
You see, you were here today because this couple had faith 30 years ago to take on the work of the Lord here in Kerrville. It created, it attracts, and it produces. As true as that is, fear has the same power. Fear has the ability to attract. It has the ability to create. And it has the ability to produce. It can attract and create all the things we don't want. Job said, the thing I greatly feared came unto me. That which I feared came upon me. I want to say God's not given you a spirit of fear. You got a different spirit in Jesus' name. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. A different spirit praise. I want to get through these because I actually think I'm talking about your pastors. I'm thinking this is the spirit of who they are. I know this couple. I know this is a couple of prayer. Romans 8 verse 26. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought. How many know that verse is true? Have you ever thought about a situation and you just don't know how to pray? Nobody's ever done that. You ever thought about maybe a situation? You're going, God, I don't even know how to pray about this. But the Bible says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we should. But watch, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You see, I believe when you've got a different spirit, I want to say to you, you pray. And you know what it is for the Spirit of God to pray through you with wordless groans. I love Romans. Have you noticed there's a lot of verses coming out of Romans? This is almost a little Bible study on Romans. And I think it's fascinating to me that it all just talking about the Spirit of God. We're called to have a different spirit. And we're called to be people of prayer. Amen. I remember one time I was back in my house in Australia. My oldest brother was by no means a Christian. I had just become one. And I was really praying for my oldest brother, Dennis. And my mother and father had become believers. I led them to Christ. I was the first person in my family to become a Christian. And then I had the opportunity to lead my mom and my dad to Jesus. And then my two brothers and my two sisters all eventually came to a faith in Christ. But my oldest brother was the toughest one. He was the mature one. He was, the, he was the one that knew how to be disciplined. He was, he was diligent. He was the oldest. He was the firstborn. I had two old brothers, two younger sisters. I was the middle child. And I'm watching football one day, and my brother used to love to catch me praying. And I hate it when he did that. I'd be in my bedroom, and I'd be praying. And he used to walk in there and just laugh at me and mock me and say, you're wasting your time. You're an idiot. And I used to pray for him and pray for me and my other brother and sisters. And he goes, just stop it. You make me sick. And one day I'm watching football and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Go pray for Dennis. And I said, no, this is a really good football match. And I looked and see, when I talked to Dennis about Jesus, he would look at me and say, Steve, you so needed Jesus. You are so jacked up, but I don't need him. And I thought about that. And in the natural, like Dennis was, he paid cash for his first car. Me, not me. I wanted the car. I just went and got debt and borrowed the money and paid back three times the amount of money I should have paid. You have me. I was the impulsive one. I was the irrational one. I was the wild one. I was the one getting in trouble with the police. I was the one on drugs. I was the one in all the parties. I was the one that was always in trouble. And I thought about that. And I thought, yeah, I can see why he thinks that. But the Holy Spirit said, look at him how I see him. And I never saw Dennis quite how God saw him. That even though he's together and he's good and he's disciplined and he's mature, he's reliant, he still doesn't know Jesus. 
And he's still bound for a Christless eternity. And, I, and it's like the Holy Spirit, go now and pray for your brother Dennis. And so I didn't want to get caught praying. So I went down into the backyard, into the shed, and I knelt on the great Australian altar, the barbecue. And I just knelt on that barbecue, and I started praying for Dennis. The Bible says we don't know how to pray as we should. You see, if I was thinking about it in the natural, Dennis didn't need God. Because to me, Christianity, at that moment, all I'd experienced was, was I experienced the love of God, the mercy of God, forgiveness of sins, but I kept looking at him, how the world saw him. Successful, self-disciplined, reliant, but I never saw him how God saw him. And the Holy Spirit showed me that he was not going to make it to heaven if, if he didn't meet Jesus. And he needed a Savior no matter how good he was. And I started praying for Dennis. Oh, God, I prayed for Dennis. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started praying through me with wordless moans and groans. And I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm asking God. And then I start seeing Dennis lost, and I start seeing Dennis as God saw him. And I said, God, I'm praying for Dennis. Dennis! Dennis. And I began to pray louder and louder. And I forgot where I was as I began to see that he needed Jesus just as much as I did. And I began to cry and make these moans and groans. Dennis! Dennis! I actually forgot where I was. And Dennis in the house heard his little brother yelling, Dennis! So Dennis, the reliant, mature hero, comes running down the backyard thinking his brother's cut his foot off and comes running down, pulls open the shed door, and there I am kneeling on a barbecue. Dennis! Dennis! And he pulls it open and goes, what? And I got tears running down my eyes. He goes, what are you doing? I thought you killed yourself. I said, I was praying for you, man. He goes, not again. He goes, you make me sick. He slams the shed door closed. It broke off its hinges. He says, you put that back on. Stop praying for me. What I didn't know about Dennis, he got caught up with a group of people that were doing heroin and cocaine. And Dennis got this shaking problem. He couldn't stop shaking. And every time he'd hold a glass of water, he couldn't stop shaking. And his friends were so caught up in this addiction with needle ejections that literally there was not a vein left in their body to inject their heroin. And the only place left for them to inject it was in their eyeballs. And Dennis saw his friends injecting into their eyeballs. And he said to himself... I will never allow myself to get that bad. And I will take my life before that happens. And he began to drive his car that he paid for cash, the mature, sensible, reliable one, and headed for a tree at 100 miles an hour when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit pressed rewind on his memory. And he heard these words in his heart. Dennis! Dennis! And he started to cry, pulled the car over. He rang my dad, who I had led to the Lord. And he goes, Dad, I was about to take my life, but I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to give God, God one shot at this. I don't want to be caught up with these addictions. I don't want to be caught up with this anymore. And I was about to kill myself. Can I tell you, a different spirit person prays differently for people in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand if you receive it. I pray you're praying for Kerrville like that. 
I pray you're not just praying, oh God, bless Kerrville. But I pray you're saying, oh God, bless the people I work with. Bless the people, bless the, save the people I live next door to. Lord, in Jesus' name, let Kerrville be a city that knows Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, now I got to close. My time is up. I asked your pastor, how long do you want me to speak for? This is what he told me. Steve, you can go to 1 p.m., but everybody walks out of here at midday. Praise the Lord. A different spirit is led by the Spirit, number seven. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We're not led by circumstances. We're not saying, Lord, if you want me to do this, let the sun come up in the morning. Because the sun's going to come up in the morning regardless. We're led by the Spirit. I'm in the United States because the Holy Spirit called me to be here. I'm not here of my choosing, but I'm here because the Holy Spirit led me. You're in this church, I believe, because the Holy Spirit led you. Some of you maybe drove past other churches to get here that maybe geographically are closer than, than clo- to other churches might be closer to where you live. But this is where the Spirit led you. You see, a different spirit, we're led by the Spirit. Number eight, a different spirit is discerning. I love this. 1 John 4 verse 1. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. That's what I love about your pastors. They don't just believe every spirit. They'll take the time to test people. They'll take the time. They believe in people. But I think sometimes as Christians, we, we're too easily enamored with somebody's celebrity and somebody's, you know, social status. And yet the Bible says, don't believe every spirit. Test them. I don't want to tell you, you're in good hands here with your pastors. And I believe a different spirit of person is someone who is discerning. And the last one, which is the point I want to get to and I want to close, is a different spirit has peace. Romans 8. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace in Jesus' name. Did I say that was the last point? Okay, I'll give you one more because this is the last point. Number 10, a different spirit never lacks zeal. And this is the point I want to finish on because I've known these guys for the last 17 plus years. And here they are, 60 years young, and they're not lacking zeal. Listen to what the Word of the Lord says. Never Romans 12, even though it's Romans, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You see, that's what these guys are doing. They're not lacking in their zeal. They've kept their spiritual fervor in their marriage, in this church, in their life. And I want to say to you, gates of the city, let's have a different spirit. Do you receive the word? Come on, give a lot of hand if you receive the. Come on, say different spirit. Say different spirits. Say, I've got. Now you got to say it together. I've got a different spirit. Amen and amen. I pray it blesses you. Happy, happy birthday to the two of you. Happy anniversary to you as a church. And happy anniversary to your marriage. And I want to say to you, Bert and Becky, you have a different spirit. You really do. You're of that Caleb spirit. You're different. And I love you, and I celebrate you, and I appreciate you. And I count it an honor to call you a friend that for Sharon and I have been there, and you've been faithful to us and loyal and committed and dedicated, and I celebrate you. And I pray you get so blessed today. I pray that people find the means and the ways to express their love for you and gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.